Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, July 19th, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, BeantownAthletics.com. Today's show is presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. What's great about SeatGeek is the price you see is the price you get. Most sites will try to surprise you at checkout with these outrageous fees, but not SeatGeek. So make sure you download the free SeatGeek app right now and get a $20 rebate on tickets by using the promo code PICARD. That's right, as in my last name, PICARD. Now, the Red Sox are back in town. They're at Fenway tonight against the San Francisco Giants, a two-game series tonight and tomorrow night. Also, over the weekend, the Minnesota Twins are in town. I think the big game in this series is Drew Pomeranz making his Red Sox debut tomorrow night, Wednesday night. So if you want tickets to that, and you want the best deal possible, you will go to the SeatGeek app right now, use the promo code PICARD, you get $20 off. You can also set an alert for any game in any series, and really any sporting event, or even concert at any venue in any city. And when you set that alert, SeatGeek will keep you updated and let you know when ticket prices fall. And also, every ticket is given a grade, and you can use their detailed map to see the exact view from your seat. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert, and it should be the first place you go as well. SeatGeek. Joining me in studio today is the one and only Phil Perry from Comcast Sportsnet New England. He covers the New England Patriots for CSNNE.com. You can also see him on TV all the time. Phil, thanks for joining me in studio today. Thanks for having me here, Danny. I'm very excited. This is your second time on the show, but your first time in studio. Second time on the show, first time in studio, mm. and I drive by the studio all the damn time. And I've been waiting for my shot, and now I have it. Parents live in Milton, <laughs> I live in Southie, so I'm coming down Granite Ave, driving by all the time, just longing, looking at it, looking for you, uh-huh. trying to look through uh-huh. the window. And I, I mean, and now I I'm see, here. I see in Southie. I see at Regan's Motivated Fitness. All the time. That's a free plug. You are looking for my shredded. boys at Regan's Motivated shredded, Fitness. Shredded, by the way. They do great work over there. Uh, they do. And not only do I see in Southie, but I used to work with you at Comcast Sportsnet New England. You did. Glory so days. I, and I wasn't, you know what? I wasn't always in Burlington, mainly because there was really no reason for me to be there. I wasn't on TV when I wrote for the website. So we would see each other more so... What, at Gillette at or Gillette, at other places? All the time. At Sundays Fenway at sometimes, Gillette, at think, Fenway right? every once in a while. Um, but we had a close working relationship because I was editing your stuff. You were sending yes, to me, and I, I was would putting be, on the website. I was emailing you my stories that I would be rushing through, and especially at Fenway. You have to rush some of those stories sometimes. You do, but you were always clean. Easy edit try every time with Danny Picard. Try. Always I would try my that. best. But So we used to work together, and um, now you're doing a lot more TV. Yeah, it's weird. And you're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because not only do you see it on TV, but what you guys do now on the website is you you post it right, uh, right in, it's right in your face. Like, I go to CSNNE.com, and it's not just, you know, bylines and top stories. It's Phil Perry, hit play this video right now. You can't get away from it. Yeah, I can't, there are times I can't escape where, you. Because I don't know about you, you have to love hearing your own voice to do what you do. No, I don't. You don't, though? I don't. I don't. It's oh. tough, right? It's tough. Every time I hear my voice, still, to this day, whether I'm listening back to interviews that I've recorded with players or whether it's one of those videos, I still cringe. And so those videos, you can't even, you can't X them out sometimes. 
Sometimes we have an ad. That's annoying. Mm-hmm. I understand it. I understand it, but I appreciate you Dude, fighting through and going on the website anyway. Yeah, I, I go all the time. It's honestly, I think it, I don't know if it's just, is it superstition? I don't think it's superstition. I am a superstitious person. Very superstitious. Like, I'll be walking in the street and I won't step on a crack. Like, that's how stu- superstitious I am. I swear. That's I don't, hardcore. Sometimes I find myself doing it and it's like I feel bad. Like, I feel like I let someone down by stepping on a crack. Like, that's just how I feel. You don't have to feel that way. I do. Well, and, so and like if I'm crossing the street, like when I'm crossing L Street and they got the du- the double yellow lines, you think I have ever stepped on those fucking lines? You were that kid. No. You were that kid in Little League who never stepped, never on, the, stepped the on the first, first base, line. third base line. Would, no, never. Would never happen. I even in the si- on the sidewalk, like the squares, I don't. I do my best to not step on a line. It's psychotic. I will be it running is a little bit, but listen, I don't think you're alone. I'll run out the sugar bowl, right? Right. And when you run out the sugar bowl, you know how they have like the black tar. Yes. And it's almost, you know, it looks like the snakes on the ago. ground, and it's everywhere. Right. I never step on those. So are you, like, I am bounding? Always, uh, yes. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like back and forth. I'm like Ricky Williams back in the day, just like in and out, making cuts. Well, that's hard, too, this time of year because There's so many Sugar people Bowl is swamped. Yeah. Uh-huh. So good for you for not barreling into anybody down there i gotta keep an eye out yeah so i'm superstitious and we'll get between to the- you and the pokemon go kids you're like that's an accident <laughs> waiting to happen man don't get me started they're all over the last place last night on eei weei i was on six to ten filling in for that time slot and um i brought up the pokemon go thing because i, I don't i just don't get the reward like i understand that people want to play video games but i don't get what the reward is and why the reward is so fulfilling to these kids. Like, it doesn't seem that fulfilling, but yet they love to do it. There's no money involved, right? You, you can't, can't win, win money, money on, no. the, on the app. And, but it's one thing to it's win just, video games. It's just the, the achievement factor, I would imagine, like any video game, but, right? But, but how much of an achievement is there when a bunch of people are in the same spot doing the same thing? That's what weirds me out about it. And it's not really an achievement. It tells you where to go, and you go there, and you're there, and then you throw a little ball to get the Pokemon? Makes I, no sense. I always thought one of the, the main benefits of playing video games was you got to, to hang out in your basement by yourself, get away from people. You get to be in the cool of your basement or in the air conditioning, uh-huh. wherever you may be. And you get to just kind of hang out and have a little you time when you're 12, 13 yeah, years old, yet, whatever. Now you're walking around. You have to socialize with these people. Uh-huh. I don't know. Are they challenging them? Can you fight other people on the corner? Can you? Last night, somebody called in, I think, and said, yes, I, that's right. I took Pokemon Go calls. Well, I was going to say, I, I have no idea how it works. Somebody called point. in and said, you get a Pokemon and you battle. Then you get to battle with that. I'm like, I didn't know Pokemon's fight. And is it Pokemons or is Pokemon plural? I think I think it's like. Uh, is it like deer? Yes. It's like so or Pokemon. Moose. Yes. Yeah. Pokemon is plural and singular. I think so. I, this, see, nobody. I think it's Japanese. Phil, to be I'm honest not, with you. You know what? I'm cutting it off right there right, because nobody fine. tuned into the show to hear two kids to you know to hear us. I call this kids now because I'm now dipping myself into the Pokemon kids stage. Nobody is listening to the show to hear me and you talk about Pokemon at all. That's a good. So point. we got to move on. Um, but I do have to ask you, we talk about you on TV a lot and I'm on every once in a while and, and you asked if I like to hear my own voice. I say no, and I don't like to watch myself either. However, I find myself needing to watch sometimes because I'm on there, you know, there's three or four cameras and the red light will go on. Yep. And there's sometimes I'm in there and when I'm live and right after I get off the air. 
and I'm driving home, I'm going, wow, I was looking into the wrong camera. Dude, I and do I it need every... to go, I need to go see if I was looking into the right camera. And every single time I've looked into the right camera. In my head, it's like I've been looking into the wrong camera for five minutes, but really it's just not even half a second. No. Not at all. They find you, and you're a pro. I've seen you do it before. You look. You will look right into the camera I'm after I ask the question. I'm I love that. I feel like you're connecting with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at that still. When I'm asked a question, like if it's me and you sitting right here and we're yeah. on the studio or on the set, I will still just look at you, and I'll almost lock in on you to the point that it gets a little awkward. Like I was on with Lou the other <laughs> night, Lou Marloni, yeah. on Sports Sunday. And he's got a lot going on. He's the host, so he's mm-hmm. got papers out. He's got to look at what questions he wants to ask. He has to see what videos coming, what reads may be coming as he goes into a break. He asked me a question. Video may come up. It may be a, a single shot on me. And I think he's expecting me to look away or at least just kind of be off on my own for a little bit. And I'm just locked in. Locked in I'm on locked him. in on yeah. Lou. And I think it makes it a little bit weird for everybody involved. So I'm trying to work on that. I need to follow your lead there. No, you know what? He, the people that hold the papers on that show, Sports Tonight, they feel more comfortable than anybody because I feel like when I don't have anything in my hands during that show, that's just a thought in my mind. Like, am I doing the right thing on my hands? Especially when you have a segment in which you, you have to stand up because then I'm like punching my fist, you know, I'm just doing something with my hands. If I had a piece of paper, oh my God, life would be so much easier there. Like, I feel like I wouldn't even be thinking about that and I could focus a little bit more on what I say. So not only am I focusing on what fucking camera to look into, I'm focusing on what's going on with my hands and then I'm trying to just talk and make sense. Dude, but it looks good. You make it look I, good. I, I know, but in the moment... I know, it and feels especially weird. especially when it's over, you're like, I gotta go watch to see if I was doing something stupid. You're not alone. Because I'm trying to perfect it. Yeah, I right? see. I see what you're saying. You're a perfectionist. And I, I respect that. I would say just bring a piece of paper out. I'll do that on Quicksland <laughs> sometimes. It'll have nothing on it. Oh, they but let you just do so, it. Just so I have something to hold on to. Yeah, they don't care. They're not going to let me Grab do a it piece if I'm of a paper. guest on sports tonight. Grab one of the footballs off the quicksand slant set. Should. It's right there. I should. Keep that thing high and tight. Uh, just bring a hockey stick in. How about if I just bring a wiffle ball bat? Sometimes I feel most comfortable in life when I have a wiffle ball bat in my hands. I have done many shows in it. In fact, the last guest I had in studio was Lou Merloni. Okay. And he was sort of busting my balls because I did the whole show with a wiffle ball bat. Right. And my hands on my shoulder. But that's just, that's me feeling comfortable in the moment. I would say walk in there with a wiffle ball bat and just see if anybody stops you. <laughs> see, you I think what? that would they, be great. Listen, that, you know, they're looking to <laughs> shake things up over there. They're trying to be edgy. You could be the wiffle ball they bat They want to shake things up. I, they have an open time slot, right, from like 10 to 2. They should put maybe this show. They should put cameras in here. And this studio is built for television cameras. It is what beautiful. Do they, in what here. do they do? They just put those little cameras on the wall anyways. Right. They, they drop could, them right down from the ceiling. You know, they could they could have Cap control it from Burlington, right? He would love to do that. I'm sure love he would. Cap. Let's, I think we should make it happen. He's a passionate guy like yourself. Pick and You guys Perry. would work well Pick together. Pick and Perry. I love it. Pick and Perry. Dude, let's do it. Lock it in. Let's write get a letter. Up. we got to get somebody write, write on the horn letter. here. Yeah. I'll write the letter. You're I'll right. give it to you. You'll be in there tonight, right? I'll drive up there tonight. Yeah. Toss it under a couple uh, doors. I don't know who's there, though. A lot of people on vacation right now. Yeah. A lot of people on vacation. My buddy Tommy Curran on vacation this week. Is he? So that's why I have. So now I'm forced to do work that normally would go to him, which I'm not complaining about. So so you have been. So he's been on vacation during the. He's. The Flakegate? Latest developments? I don't think technically. I think he was still on during the Flakegate stuff. But now starting this week, he's off. So it actually timed out pretty well. 
They got him in for all the Deflategate stuff. It kind of came. They lucked it out, went. or do you think they knew something was going to happen at a certain time? No, total luck. Because he's had this vacation plan for a little while. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't work your life around Deflategate the way it's no. been. It's been 18 months yeah. nonstop. It pops up whenever you don't think it's going to. So you just got to... You got to take your vacation Def- when you want your vacation, man. Deflategate will find its way to work itself around your life, which is basically every day. And, you know, you you cover the Patriots. And so I brought you in here to, to mainly talk Patriots. But I do uh, I want to get your thoughts on some things, Salty, because, you know, you're a Milton kid. I would love to do that. To Selty, I am. I am. And I'm yes. sure there's some people, like, I'm interested always to, to get some thoughts on some of the things that are going on in the neighborhood. And uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. But since we're talking to Flakegate and Patriots, you cover the Patriots for Comcast Sportsnet New England. And we thought the Flakegate was over. Yet, there's a story the last couple days that has Tom Brady authorizing the NFLPA to continue with the Deflategate appeal to the Supreme Court. Right. So, it's not over, right? Well, the NFLPA, I think, was always going to continue the battle because they're so far in and Tom Brady's reasons for stopping the fight, so to speak, on his end Mm -hmm. are a little bit different than why the NFLPA is in on this thing. Brady wants to get out. He says it's taken a toll on him physically, emotionally. I'm sure. And I actually believe him when he says that because he is so in tune with everything that's going on in his life. Sure. He's very focused on getting proper rest, keeping stress levels out of his, uh, out of his, uh, you know, atmosphere as mm-hmm. much as humanly possible. Yep. So I believe him there. And I think there's a football aspect to it, too, where he would rather just miss the first four games as opposed to maybe getting a stay. And then at some point the Supreme Court saying, you know what, we're not going to hear this thing, so you have to serve your suspension starting week 12. I think that would be a kick in the balls for that him. That would suck. Yeah. So there are those elements to it, but those are Tom Brady-specific. As far as the union is concerned, they still want to fight this thing because they want to try to in some way, have a court sign off on it's about limiting Roger Goodell's power. Right. It's about so, power. so why yeah. would they why would they stop the fight on their end if they feel like they have the means and they feel like, um, you know, they have, you know, they they're wouldn't they're within their rights to continue to battle this thing and they obviously feel that way given all the energy effort that's been expended thus far. So, not a surprise to me that that Brady's giving them the go-ahead here. I think they were going to go ahead and do it anyway. I'm surprised that Brady stopped fighting himself, though. Like, I am I was, surprised. Oh, I was shocked. At the same time, I don't look at him accepting the four-game suspension and say this is an admission of guilt. Like, I had some people call into WEI and tell me that, and I said, no way. Like, you're out of your fucking mind if you think this is an admission of guilt. Like, you see how far he fought this? Do you know how much money he spent? Um, do you know, do you see the team of lawyers that he's put together, all-star lawyers? Do you know that he actually won one of the appeals with Judge Richard Berman? And that we're to the point now where then he loses the NFL's appeal, and then when he asks for an appeal on top of that, they say they're not going to grant him his wishes and even give him the opportunity to do such a thing. So I think what this is, it's not an admission of guilt. It's his all-star team of lawyers that's telling him, we don't think we're going to be able to win this. It's not it's, looking so good. It's unfair. It shouldn't be this way because we shouldn't even be to this point because Roger Goodell is a complete ass clown and buffoon. But since he is such an ass clown and a buffoon and he took it this far, well, our hands are kind of tied. And he's he's battling something and, and fighting for something in the CBA that actually is there. And if they're not going to grant us another appeal, 
Sure, we could go to the Supreme Court, but that's not going to really look good based on everything that's transpired thus far. So how much more effort do you actually want to put into this fight knowing you took it that this far? Right, and I, I think that's actually, Danny, why it's going to end up not mattering that Brady has given them the go-ahead to continue to pursue this thing. Yeah. Because I don't think the Supreme Court's going to hear the case. And so, you know, they can they can try. They can petition to the Supreme Court. But this, the case is still the case. It's still the same thing, whether Brady is, is a part of it or not. Mm. There's already been a decision made at the Second Circuit, basically twice now at this point. And so as nice as it is to hear that story, and it was Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk uh, that put that out in Monday Morning Quarterback yesterday. Yesterday, yep. But I think it's going to end up being moot because the case isn't going to be heard. So uh, that's, that's in my opinion, and I think what you're saying is um, – in the same line of thinking where Ted Olson, Jeffrey Kessler, the NFLPA lawyers that are involved all looked at this and said, listen, we don't have a great chance. If they thought they had a great chance, as much as it's taken a toll on Brady, I think he would continue to fight I it. Think he so would try too. to get the stay and then he'd try to get the, the case heard. Yeah. And, and the other aspect is, you know, Brady and the Patriot way. Why continue to let this thing hang over the head of the Patriots as they get ready for another season. And, you know, just, Tell the team, all right, let's move on from Deflategate. Like, it's time to move on. Garoppolo's going to start the first four, and I'll be ready for week five. There's no need to sit here and keep everybody hanging in limbo. Like, there's just, uh, there's no need to do that. So the Patriot way and the right thing to do and the unselfish thing to do would be to sort of just accept the four-game suspension and let this thing uh, end, but yet we get the story that Brady authorizes the NFLPA to fight, and this just may be part of the process that they were going to stick with anyways, like you just mentioned, I guess my question would be, and you might have just answered it, but it's a generic question that I have when I see this story. I, I wonder, is there any chance, if the NFLPA does continue to fight this, is there any chance that maybe the suspension could be knocked down at some point? Or are we absolutely looking at four past games? Past that. Absolutely we're looking absolutely at four games. That. It's locked in. So what does the He's NFLPA get if they somehow win what you know this type of appeal or fight they get they three, get money Do three they things get something in the cba three things as far as i can tell brady could get his money back the money that he's going to lose money by missing back. four games okay. right it, which is not all that significant especially to tom brady but he had his contract restructured not you know the, he hasn't come out and said this mm. but it looks like he had it restructured in such a way that if he were to miss four games it would not hurt him financially so there's there's that thing which I think is probably of the three reasons um, probably the least relevant. Okay. The other one is that Tom Brady would be on paper on the books the Supreme Court giving him uh, the thumbs up the check mark and the W column for him vindication to some extent right I know there's going to be people pockets of the country that are going to think Tom Brady is a cheater for the rest of his life his life they they're going to think that the Patriots are always looking for an unfair advantage forever. Um, but he would at least have that official um, word come down and say, listen, this is something that the NFL pursued improperly. Tom Brady, you get the W. I think that's a nice feather in the cap, not only for him, but for his legal team. They're able to take down the big, bad NFL. The third thing is that Article 46 gets altered in some way, shape, or form in that Roger Goodell, you would assume, would have to have his powers that are so broad in terms of being – judge jury and executioner limited so those and that's the long-term one that's the play that the players in theory would benefit from even though article 46 it really only affects like what percentage one yeah. percent of players mm -hmm. it tom, tom brady obviously 
the biggest name maybe in the history of the sport, so everybody knows about this now, but how many players has Article 46 really impacted when you look at the the 2,000-plus players that are in the league? It's not that many. You're right, and what's so pathetic about that statement that you just made is that Roger Goodell had an opportunity to use those powers with someone like Greg Hardy, and he chose not to. And we're sitting here now talking about Tom Brady being suspended and missing the same amount of games as Greg Hardy when the the crimes that each player committed, I mean, one didn't even commit a crime, all right? I mean, Brady didn't commit a crime. Uh, Greg Hardy did. He threw his girlfriend on a bed full of guns. And Roger Goodell somehow can go to bed at night with a smile on his face knowing that he just suspended the greatest quarterback of all time the same amount of games as Greg Hardy. It, it, it's embarrassing. It's pathetic. And I will never understand why Roger Goodell wouldn't use these powers, judge, jury, executioner, to, to, to keep the Greg Hardy 10-game suspension intact. That's I will never wild. understand it. That's what's wild is when you look at it and you compare it to other punishments that have been doled out. And I think, you know, in all honesty, uh, they won. The NFL won, but they didn't do it without – sustaining a few black more than a few black guys along the way right he Roger Goodell as Tommy Curran put it uh you know he got the ship back to port but the thing is is burned the sails are gone (laughs) there's there's holes everywhere it's taken on water but they won and and that's that's what's so difficult I know because I hear from them whether it's on whether it's on radio shows like yours when you're on EEI or it's on Twitter people still can't wrap their heads around it even though the case long ago moved from PSIs and air pressure and footballs and all that in the AFC championship game against the Colts um, into a labor law conversation, but people still just can't come to grips with how this thing is all broken down because you see other examples of it and it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't compute. And it's the deflategate was just, I mean, this thing was mishandled from the, the very beginning and we talk about how Brady's going to be looked at. I think that if there's anybody that is going to look at Tom Brady's career and just anybody's career in general and think that the air pressure in the football is a reason why somebody is great or not great, they are just, I mean, they're just stupid. They're just stupid people. And, and there's no way you'll ever get through to those people. They're just stupid. That's the bottom line. Because, I mean, there's actual facts in that same AFC championship game that should show people the air pressure and the footballs in that game didn't make a difference because the second half footballs were all the right footballs, right? And the Patriots completely rolled on the Colts in that game. How about the Super Bowl? And how about the Super Bowl? I mean, Tom Brady had one of the best fourth quarters in the history of of Super Bowls, right? And he did it with footballs that the NFL controlled because they controlled the the football suit. It's just so stupid. Those people shouldn't matter, right? If you have that kind of take, even if I don't care how big a media personality you are, mm. whether you're at ESPN, whether you're Stephen A. Smith, who's come out recently and, and been very vocal um, about criticizing Tom Brady recently and how this whole thing broke down. But those people shouldn't matter. When you're thinking about this player's legacy, it should come down to if you have a rational thought in your head, you know that doesn't matter. You understand that he's still one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully – when he comes to the end of his career, when he's making his Hall of Fame uh, induction speech or whatever, he's not getting booed. He's not. Uh, hopefully, 
for his sake, he's still a celebrated part of this game because as Patriots ownership has said along the way, obviously they're biased, but this is a guy who throughout his career has done things quote unquote the right way. He's been very conscious of it. He's built up this image and in a lot of people's minds, unfortunately, it's all kind of come crashing down on him, but hopefully those people aren't the ones who are constructing that legacy going forward for him. Speaking with Phil Perry, he covers the New England Patriots for Comcast Sportsnet New England. You can read him at csnne.com. He joins me in studio today here inside of Beantown Athletics, and um, we're talking Patriots, and I just think that when we look back at the Flakegate and where this thing all went wrong and began to go wrong was just the fact that they had an investigation. I mean, what Roger Goodell should have done is if he found out something shady was happening, he should have gone the route of, and I, I used this example over the weekend and yesterday on WEI, Adam Silver, NBA commissioner. They had a situation earlier this year with a ball with, you could call it, integrity of the game with Dwight Howard using some type of illegal stickum. Players pointed it out to the refs. They, you know, Dwight Howard, they looked at him, they said, you can't do that, this, that, the other thing. It's something with a ball. How it's, dumb is that, by the way? How I don't do even, you use stickum in a basketball I, I, game and assume you're not going to get caught? But Literally I don't everyone know, on the floor is touching that thing. I don't even know how it helps, to be honest. It helps you grab rebounds. How does that help? It's not the re- helping him with his free throw shooting. No, I'll tell it, you that much. How 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 does it help the rest of your team when you do grab a rebound and you pass it to someone and they got sticky exactly. hands? Exactly. Like you're not helping anybody. I don't think so. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me, but it's something you can't do. I think it's- Dwight Howard got got hit with that because it, it maybe it wasn't even him, but people just so many people just don't like him. Maybe somebody it, sabotaged him. But it's illegal, and it's very similar to PSIs in a football, and you know it's something that that I, I don't think helps. Again, I'm going to use it. I don't think it helps, but it's illegal. And what the NBA did was they sent Dwight Howard and they sent the Houston Rockets a memo. They said, here's the rule. Here's the punishment. Here's what was being done. Here's a warning. Can't happen again. They also sent the rule to the rest of the league. And they said, here's what's going on. Roger Goodell, if he thought something was going on with PSIs in a football, he should have sent the Patriots a memo and said, here's what we think is going on. Here's what we saw is happening. Here's the rule. It's between 11 and a half and 12 and a half right. or whatever it is. And if you go above that or below that, it's illegal and here's the punishment. Send it to the Patriots, send it to the rest of the league, even send it to your officials who clearly did not care about PSIs and a football in general. They didn't. You can never convince me or prove to me that they stuck a needle in every football and took the PSI before games. You just can't convince me that they did it. Doesn't I don't think seem that, that way. I don't think that they did. So you need to also send that memo to the officials. And that's it. Should have happened ended. as soon as the Colts sent their, their memos, their emails to the league saying, hey, everybody knows this is what the Patriots do. Just want you to to protect the shield. Do what you every, everything that you do for the shield. We so greatly appreciate it. That, that nauseating email that Ryan Grigson sent to the league. Uh. But that's, you're exactly right. That's what should have happened. But you know, Danny, that's not what Deflategate was about. It wasn't about making sure that the equipment um, procedures were up to snuff. It was about the league office trying to get a team that it had wanted to get for a long time. It's about owners around the league wanting to mm-hmm. knock the Patriots down a peg. Owners who thought that the Patriots weren't punished severely enough because of Deflategate. They were looking to get the Patriots, not necessarily Tom Brady, but I think they were looking to get the Patriots 
and this was their opportunity. All right. And it went from there. Well, as we move on from Deflategate. And here we are 18 months later. Here we are. And and now we know Brady will serve the suspension. And when we when that when that becomes reality, you look at the schedule, right? It's the first thing you do cuz you know Garoppolo's playing, you want to see who he's playing against. 3 of the first 4 games that Brady will miss are going to be at Gillette Stadium. The first one, week one, at Arizona. Patriots, at least as of yesterday when I looked, five-and-a-half-point dog to open up. I think that could go up to seven, could go maybe even higher. Who knows, depending depending on Arizona Cardinals injuries or situations in training camp. You never know where that line's going to go. But the Patriots are going to be underdogs. Then, what do they got? Miami, Houston, Buffalo, Yes, I believe it is. That's what it is, all at home. Um... Have you looked at that? Like, have you gone in-depth into those matchups just yet? Or is it too early for you still to do that? Too hard to break it down. I mean, I've been asked, whether it's at Comcast or elsewhere, okay, so what, what's the record going to be after four games here? And so you look at it, you know, you don't go in-depth and you break down offense versus defense, and you're looking at, you know, who's going to be covering the slot receiver when the mm. Patriots face Jarvis exactly. Landry and the too Dolphins. I'm not, shit. I'm not looking at that right now. But – when you give it a quick glance, Danny, I, this defense is so good. They're going to be very good this and year. And three home games. With three home games. Two teams that I would say are average at best in the Dolphins and the Bills. And maybe below average when it's all said and done. Dolphins dealing with a new coach. Who knows how Ryan Tannehill handles things there. Arian Foster. One year, 1.5 mil with a max of 3.5 mil. I would have given him that. That's a shrug of the shoulders, though, to me. I don't think he's going to do a whole lot for them. Yeah, but he's I would have given older him that guy. money. He's always injured. I would have, too, maybe just to see what he has. But you, you have to bring him in. I don't think he's even healthy enough where he could have. I'd actually be very interested to see what he did and what he was able to do in his workout. He's coming off a torn Achilles. The guy is yeah. towards the end of his career. I don't know how much he could have even done, but they're – they're giving it to him based on what he's done in, in the past. That's not usually how the Patriots operate. Well, if he makes the 3.5 mil, that means it worked out. I mean, that's incentive. Right. Laden. Oh, it's sure. Done. I just don't think he has any chance of, get, of getting that money. The, the Dolphins, I think, actually drafted pretty well this year. I like some of the pieces they have offensively. They have some good young athletes. Jakeem Grant, Danny. That's a name I want you to keep in mind. Jakeem Grant. Jakeem Grant out of Texas Tech. The kid is about five foot four. But he ran, I believe, a 4-2, 4 uh, going into the combine this year. I want When we're done with the show, yeah. I want you to look up the Jakeem Grant highlight tape on YouTube. Jakeem Grant. It'll be the best thing you watch all day. And this so is he's gonna like be a, a return. fantasy football No, primer. no, nope, no. I'm just saying no. when the Patriots play the Dolphins, just watch out for that kid in the, the punt return game. Okay. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I just feel like Arian Foster, that's a shot. That's a that's a gamble you take on a veteran guy. That's a, the Patriots bringing in Reggie Wayne. It's, you know, it's one of those type of moves, although it, it is as you mentioned, including some pretty significant cash if it goes well for Foster. So, maybe they feel like he's still got something left. I don't think so. Texans will be the the game at home that I think could give Garoppolo some problems because that defense is pretty legit. JJ Watt is JJ Watt, but offensively they don't scare me. Brock Osweiler did not light the world on fire as a starter for the Broncos last year. I don't care what he's getting paid. He is who he is as far as Must I'm concerned. Be nice. Must be nice to have been a backup quarterback that comes in, does pretty good. He played well against the Patriots. But, Give him but that. Th there is not yet a sample size of him being successful in the National Football League for an entire season. And yet he's going to be able to sign that type of contract. And I know it's a different position. But to me, it's that type of contract 
that has Rob Gronkowski and Drew Rosenhaus sitting there going, what the fuck are we doing in this league? Like, and, like what is happening? Like, Gronkowski is arguably the most impactful player in all of the league, and yet you got this stiff who, and I call him a stiff because every time I hear him talk, I roll my eyes, and I'm just like, this kid is just... He's a stiff off the like, field. He just seems, he like, might be a stiff he just on the seems field. like a donkey, and I'm like... He still hasn't proven it to me for a full season. So, how are you going to give him that much money? Look, Bill O'Brien and the boys, they want to do it. He's a quarterback's guy. He wants to coach him up. Be my guest. But <laughs> that is a laughable contract. And, um, I, you know, I, I'm not scared of him either. So, Houston has always been a team that has sort of been able to win in the regular season with their solid defense. But they've never had the quarterback that's been able to get him over the hump. I don't know that Osweiler is going to be that guy. But, um, you know, I, I look at their offense even at Gillette and I say, are they going to come into Gillette and beat the Patriots defense? Like, you can't, you can't guarantee me that. I think that defense is going to take even another step. I know they lost Chandler Jones, but I think they've added enough up front. That front seven is very legit. The secondary has experience now. Malcolm Butler's coming into another season after putting together a Pro Bowl year. Logan Ryan is looking for a contract. They have so many guys going into contract years. I think that's a little bit of an underrated factor going into the season, too. Motivation. A lot of motivation, motivation on the defensive side of the football for the Patriots this year. So you're going to get guys coming through with career. I think Dante Hightower is going to have a career. The guy still hasn't made a Pro Bowl. He's been injured. If he can stay healthy, and he knows this too, if he can stay healthy, if he doesn't sign a contract before the end of next season, he's going to get paid as one of the best three, four linebackers in the league next year. I think people think he has that kind of potential. He hasn't put it together because of injuries for whatever reason. Mm. Uh, I mean, he's put it together when he's on the field, but he's he's been getting nicked up, and so he's played through serious shoulder things. He played through a knee thing all of last year. One of the toughest guys, I think, maybe since Logan Ryan in New England in terms of what he's played through. Um, he's going to get paid. Jamie Collins is going to get paid. Malcolm Butler is going to get paid eventually. Deron Harmon could get paid, Danny. That's a guy mm. played yeah. very well in that deep free safety role. You don't think there's a team out there that's saying, you know, we could actually use a Devin McCourty type. He went to Rutgers. He played with McCourty for a few years. The Eagles are the, you know, the, these teams that are dying for safety help. That's an important position in the league now where the league is. There are going to be people that are playing for new contracts that, that play as well as we've seen them play. I think this defense is good enough to carry them for a little while here. Speaking of motivation, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan in week five and you have tickets to that game in Cleveland against the Patriots, do you even go? Do you even <laughs> show up? Like, you know what's going to happen, right? Because Tom Brady is going to be the most motivated player in the history of professional sports to be able to get on that podium and have Roger Goodell after the Super Bowl hand him the Lombardi Trophy. And his journey with that motivation is going to begin week five in Cleveland. I wouldn't be going to that game if I was a Brown fan. You might want to miss that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't argue that, argue that at all. I, I think uh, I almost feel bad in a way for some of Brady's receivers because you just know it's going to be one of those years where if, if you don't pro, well not only that but if you happen to run a route a half a yard short <laughs> he's going to be helmet off. remember some of those t uh, sideline tantrums he had when he had the long hair going mm -hmm. and he was the head would be all over the joint and he's screaming at people he's he's f you know he's f bombing them left and right i think uh, that's the kind of tom brady you're going to see for for 12 games throughout he's going to be what is he going to do, Danny? What's he going to do for the first four weeks of the season? He can't have contact with the team, right? He could work out. He could get on the uh, the resistance bands that he does with Alex Guerrero. I think he'll be doing a lot of that. 
He'll be up at the TB12 Center. He'll be, what, he'll be making recipes out of the TB12 uh, nutritional handbook that he's that he's selling there? Like, so I, you, wait, you, he can't be in the building can't at be all in the building. at any point can't for be, four weeks. Can't be in touch with the team, and I don't even know how that gets enforced. Are they checking? Are they going back through cell phone records again? Are we going to have to go through this whole thing again? We're looking at Tom Brady's texts. It's called a fake mustache when you walk in the building. Yes. Yes. Right? Tito Brady. Um, there's got to be another way into that building where he could get without having to get out of his car. He doesn't, I don't think he needs to be lot. in the building. I think he just, I don't know. Uh, you don't think he'd find access, his way into that building? I think he's going to have plenty of access to film. Like, I think that is pretty readily available, and I'm sure he'll be all over it. I just don't know how they can monitor, you know, him checking in with Josh McDaniels, uh, you know, on a Monday morning after, uh, you know, a win over the Bills. See, I thought he could be in the building during the week at times. No, he can't. No, no building. No. Huh. Once, the, once the regular season begins. So he can be with the team now and th- all the yeah. way through preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he'll play in, in some of those preseason games. Because he has to get ready too, right? I mean, you got to take snaps if you're him. I don't think he – he obviously doesn't need it as much as Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett. But he's working with new faces. He's trying to figure out what Martellus Bennett's going to do. He's trying to figure out what Chris Hogan's going to do out there. So I think he takes some reps during the preseason. Um, but once that comes and goes, he has to be gone for about a month. I it, think that's going to be hard for him. All right, him. it's going to be Garoppolo. But you got Brissett here too. Like, right. Got to get him ready. I, I, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is – do you think there's a possibility, like, if Garoppolo steps in in Arizona and just stinks up the joint, that they would make a quick switch? Or, like, how patient are they going to be with Garoppolo? I think they would have to be pretty patient with him, right? A second-round pick. He's in his third year. He he has to be so far advanced beyond what Jacoby Brissett knows um, in terms of just this think, offense. This but- is one of the most complicated offenses in the league. It's been It's been building every year. I mean, Brady has as much to do with how this offense looks right now as as Bill Belichick or Josh McDaniels or Charlie Weiss. Mm-hmm. He's been adding to it every year, and Garoppolo's not at that level yet. And I think we're going to see maybe not a dumbed down a dumbed down offense um, with Garoppolo back there, but I think you're going to see things be a little bit more vanilla. I don't think you're going to see maybe as many checks at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if you're going to see receivers um, running routes in such a way that you know it, it's. It's all predicated on on what the defense is doing in front of him. I think they they will have to do that, but I think you'll have to make things a little bit more more simple for him. I think they would be very slow to make a change unless Jacoby Brissett comes in. I mean, who knows, Danny? I, we haven't seen Jacoby yeah, Brissett I mean, hardly they, at all. They could fall in love with him if I mean, he tears it up in training. Right? If he tears it up in training camp, who knows? If they feel like maybe there's a maybe there's a way. Where by the end of training camp, they feel like those two guys are neck and neck. I see. I think it's very, very unlikely. Well, let me ask you this. You can't rule anything out with these guys. Because, honestly, and I know it's not really a large sample size, and it's been garbage time in the regular season, and it's been some, you know, a lot more in the preseason. I, I haven't seen it with Garoppolo. And maybe I'm spoiled with Brady. And maybe that's it. But... Garoppolo, it just, I haven't seen anything that makes me believe he's going to come out and be even a good quarterback. So that's why I'm hesitant to, to sit here and say, well, Brissett has no shot to see any time. I mean, I have no idea what, what Garoppolo is going to be. I, I hear people talk about him like, oh, he's got all this mobility. So let me ask you, like, from what you've seen, and even though it's a small sample size and hasn't really been in meaningful games, it's meaningful spots to him. I mean, what do you expect from him? Like, 
it's so hard to say because first of all, you haven't seen him play a significant number of snaps, as you said, with other first teamers on the offense. Sure. You also haven't seen him compete against first teamers on first a regular basis on, against the defense. Right. So here's what I'll say about Garoppolo. Here's some of the things we know. He is a pretty good athlete. I wouldn't say he's not a scrambling quarterback by any means. He is athletic the way I think Drew Brees is athletic. When you see Drew Brees be a little bit slippery in the pocket, avoid pass rush, get his eyes down the field, and make a throw, I, make think, a throw I think he has that capability. I think he's I think he's that kind of athlete. He's not a he's not a tall guy. I think he's listed at six two. Um and that's that's probably accurate, but he this it's gonna be interesting week one. Those Cardinals uh up on the defensive front there, they have some pretty long, tall guys. Calais Campbell, Chandler Jones. We're going to see a lot of those um, tennis rackets on the defensive line during training camp working on him getting it up and over their hands because that could be an issue. He's shorter than Brady. I think people are going to notice that. Pretty accurate in the short to intermediate stuff, and I like his touch on the deep ball. I just don't know where it is right now. I don't know how accurate it will be. He throws a nice ball. I'll say all those things for him. In terms of his decision-making, I think that's – where you're going to see, obviously, the biggest difference, where Brady's the best in the league, in my opinion, still, and Garoppolo is going to have trouble, I think, identifying disguised blitzes and disguised coverages, and especially against a defense like the Cardinals, it's as advanced as they are, that's as aggressive as they are, he's going to have to make a lot of reads, and I think your first week as a starter for the New England Patriots, that's I think we're going to see that get to him at times, and he's going to take some hits in that game. It's just a question of, can he protect the ball well enough when he's getting hit, when he's facing pressure, can he make smart throws? And can he not lose them the game? I said this the other night, but this is one of Brady's favorite sayings is every year he drops once or twice. You remember, I'm sure, from the press conferences where he'll say, listen, you have to learn not to lose before you can learn to win. And it sounds like a defeatist mentality almost in some ways, but that's how they preach it there. You have to learn how not to make the backbreaking interception, how not to commit the backbreaking fumble before you can even put yourself in a position it's like to win. building from the inside out. You have to start real you have to keep the bar really low at first because there are certain things if you do them you will lose. You have to eliminate those things and if I think I think if Garoppolo can do that, I think the team's talented enough on both sides of the ball that he won't have to win them games. He just has to make sure that he doesn't lose them for him. Well, here's the deal. I you mentioned the deep ball with Garoppolo. I'm not even asking him to throw it. Like I'm not asking him to throw the it's deep ball. Not even ball. really a big part of the offense, right? Brady doesn't. No, I'm do not it asking Garoppolo to throw the deep ball. What I think I'd like to see from him is to use the mobility. I think he could scramble a lot. Like I think he could get outside the pocket and run for some first downs outside on the sideline. Just get over, um, you know, right over the first down marker. Like I think he can do some stuff like that. I'd like to see that utilized more often because my biggest fear with Garoppolo is what you just mentioned, is that he could be turnover city when it comes to interceptions and making bad decisions. And even if it's making a throw on the run where he feels like he needs to force one in, um, that's not something that that we've been used to with Tom Brady in this town, the big turnover. And I guess that leads to my, uh, my biggest question is, you know, how does this Patriots defense, how do they react to having a quarterback that's going to give other teams all this great field position if it is turnover city. So the turnover potential is a lot greater with Garoppolo, and that's my biggest fear. That's my biggest concern because then there's a trickle-down effect. Well, this defense, never mind the offense, isn't used to turnovers. The defense isn't used to having the offense turn the ball over like Garoppolo could. So how is everybody going to – how are they going to work under this type of environment? You know what's funny is I think – 
um, when we watch Jimmy Garoppolo, you're going to see someone who has had it bashed into his brain over the last two years, the importance of turn, turn, not turning the ball over, the importance of taking care of the football. And I think one of the bigger criticisms that we could see of Garoppolo through these first few weeks of the season is that he's not taking enough chances. He's going. You're going to see a quarterback, and I'll and be okay. Is, I'll be okay with that. But will you be okay with it if he is standing behind the line of scrimmage, patting the ball like your boy Drew Bledsoe? Why you got to bring up Drew? I know you love Drew. Why you got to do that? <laughs> but th- that's why the you got to do that. That's you could see. I want to get you going a little bit. I know. <laughs> I know you love for Drew. Uh, I mean, I love Edelman, but he shouldn't be wearing eleven. But go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Keep going. People, you know, there you probably you may you have know, listeners. Wait a minute. You may have I listeners of a certain going. age what? that don't even remember Drew Bledsoe wore number well, one. Well, you know what? They should. Because Drew Bledsoe used to throw the deep ball better than a lot of people that I've ever seen throw the deep ball, okay? He used to sling it. Cannon and in of fact, an he has the greatest piece of advice. The greatest piece of advice that's ever been given to Tom Brady is not from Bill Belichick. It was never from Charlie Weiss. It was never, it's not from Josh McDaniels or any other teammate. The greatest piece of advice that's ever been given to the greatest quarterback of all time, which you could maybe say Drew Bledsoe rubbed his greatness onto Tom Brady, is during the Super Bowl, that first Super Bowl championship against the Rams, when Tom Brady goes out on that final drive, I know where you're going Charlie with Weiss is telling him, hey, you know, don't turn the ball over. Like, don't turn the ball over. And Drew Bledsoe stepped in front of Charlie Weiss as Weiss walked away and Brady goes around the field and Bledsoe says to him, hey, don't listen to that. Go out there and fucking sling it. And that's an exact quote that Brady gave us in all those documentaries. Bledsoe said, hey, go out there and fucking sling it. Okay? What did it, What ended up happening? The Patriots moved the ball down the field. They end up kicking the field goal and they win the Super Bowl. Drew Bledsoe, the greatest piece of advice. That's ever been given to Tom Brady. And nobody should be wearing 11 in that building. In that uniform. I love Edelman. I love you, kid. But you, you shouldn't be wearing 11. Sorry. No, See this what you did? July, July 19th, 2016, Danny Picard show. This, this particular show will forever be known as the show where <laughs> Danny Picard credited Drew Bledsoe <laughs> for all Tom Brady's career success. Three, four Super Bowls, MVPs, Giselle Bunchen. It's all because of Drew. Is just, that what you're saying? I, I'm just looking for free wine. That's all. <laughs> the I'm double for. double back. Double right? back. Yeah, yeah, they can. I mean, they can ship. He's it doing now. well. They He's can doing ship well. it now to Massachusetts. Walla Walla, Washington I mean, is allegedly well, one of the best regions to grow wine in the not in the country in the world. Well, look, I never asked you to actually give out the brand because that's a free read, and now it's like, you know, I'm doing free reads again. I I don't do free reads. That's my know? fault. Yeah, that's a that's you a rookie mistake. It's a it's a it happens. Mistake. Hey, I did it for a year and a half on this podcast. Listen, he's your boy though. If there's ever somebody that you're gonna give a free read to, would it not be Drew? Well, he better come on, man. He better come on the show. I think he's available. And you know what? He should come in studio because uh, you know the phone interviews. Sometimes I'm like, eh, it's better in studio. Like you're in studio right now, and it's just so much more I comfortable love than than over the phone. Hundred percent. It just is. But, um, you know, maybe we'll get some free wine. Maybe we'll get Drew in studio. Who knows? Have a tasting on air. Maybe. We could not do a that. a bad idea. And get some video to go along with it. Here's what I'm saying. You could see a Jimmy Garoppolo. To, to get it back to Jimmy G, you could see how a you, guy. How are you going to make this transition? Go ahead. Drew Bledsoe, what I remember from Drew Bledsoe, this is, uh, you've forgotten these moments. He used to stand behind the line of scrimmage, pat that thing seven or eight times, and then take a big sack. Now, I think. 
Part of that was probably because, I'm sure it was because he was waiting for receivers to get over him, open, but he was trying to make sure he made the right decision. He didn't want to screw up. I think you could see that from Jimmy Garoppolo where he's a little bit hesitant. That's one of the things we see from him, even in spring practices. We'll see it, I'm sure, in training camp. It's just that split second of indecision where it's, the guy has a step on him. My guy has a step on the defender, but it's a little bit too tight a window, and then by then it's closed, and then the play's blown up. That's the that's going to be one of the th- one of the hurdles that Jimmy Garoppolo has to get over the first four weeks. He has to have the confidence to let the thing go. He has to be careful with it, but he has to be confident. There's a fine line there, and I think it's going to be hard for him to tell. I thought you were going to say you think Garoppolo would be a better wine taster than quarterback in the National Football League long term, but. Okay, that's you went you went back to the. Football I mean that might not be true. That that may be true too. But no, I think uh, you know that that's where I was going. That I could see Jimmy Garoppolo giving it the Drew Bledsoe pat a handful of times. Are over you a the red first wine guy? Weeks. Yeah, yeah, I love a good glass yeah, of red wine. Me too. Mark Recchi used to say he'd have one glass of red wine a night. That's how he stayed in the league so long. That's how he stayed. Um, People know, swear that's by how it, he man. was able to to stay in shape and and keep. You know, the hot pounding and the blood flowing. Antioxidants, I think, right? in there with the red wine. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, you get a nice uh, a nice Malbec from Argentina, or you get a, uh, a Pinot, Pinot Noir. All right, so you're Italian an expert. Italian Pinot Noir. So you're an expert. I, I mean, know I know it. a couple of names. I don't know if you call me an expert. <laughs> uh, I know, uh, because I know what a Malbec is. Am I, does that make me an expert? You know what? Just give me a glass of red wine, and in I'll, this room, I'll, I'll tell in you this that room, it's maybe fine. it does. <laughs> I told you, when we built this studio, we kind of made the colors of the walls like we wanted this to look like a mini bar room sort of in Dorchester and we wanted to put a bar right there in the corner like a little fridge or whatever it would be to have a couple drinks and maybe people listen to this show and they they wonder if there is a beer cooler or a some type of you know I've wondered uh, alcohol that. And, I've and wondered, that, wondered if there, that if there are beverages consumed mid-show there's not and okay. and the only reason there's not not because of me but because Beantown Athletics they do a fine job here um, with the business they have in back, they there's no there's not going to be any alcohol. Keep it professional. Keep, we keep. I it, respect that. We keep it professional, and um, I'm sure you'll be keeping it professional down at training camp at Gillette Stadium. What's that next week? Patriots report. Patriots report the 27th. The first is that practice next week or the week after. That's uh, next week. Next week. That's next week. Wow. First practice we get to go to is the day after. So, so July summer, 28th. Your summer is almost over. Summer's like, over, man. Because summer is over when you start to go to training camp. I've been there. I mean, I've, that's it. I've covered training camp. I've been in that sweaty fucking tent. Okay. <laughs> and I tell you what, that's your first mistake. You well, can't go in the tent. You got to just, you got to be ready almost like it's a beach day and you got to just lay on the grass and just accept all the rays that you're going to catch. You got to bring your sunscreen, whether it's SPF. What are you? Are you a 50 guy? You think I'm bringing sunscreen? Are you a 50 guy? Bro, you think I'm bringing sunscreen? You're actually looking. It looks like you picked up some color. You've been um, down M Street Beach? I say bro because, you know, the beach bros <laughs> down M Street Beach. Oh, come on. You're not down there. M you're Street? down there? I'm sort of towards M Street. Okay. Like, it's called M Street Beach. We've right. been calling it the whole, uh, my whole life. So even when I go to M Street Beach. It's still M Street Beach. It's still M Street Beach. Um, I guess I'm more of a weekday M Street Beach guy, like late afternoon weekday, where you can still get some color and you can still have a, you know, a relaxing time where if you go down there maybe too early or if you go down there on the weekends, it's, you know, it's bro nation. It's a scene. Like you can't even, like you can't go down there and relax because there's games being played all around you. And my biggest pet peeve is everybody stands up. Like, can we just sit the fuck down at the beach? Like, when I go to the beach, I want to relax. 
I don't need to read a book. I don't even need to listen to music. I do sometimes in my, my headphones and my iPhone. Spit some sunflower seeds. You know, take it all in. Maybe have a couple beverages. It's fine. You can drink down the beach. I don't care. But why do you got to stand up and drink? And why do you have to throw a Frisbee over my fucking head as I'm trying to relax? It's the Frisbees you got to watch out for this summer. Uh, you've probably noticed this. The spike ball has oh, yeah. gone way, way up. And that thing. Oh, yeah. You, I know there's a little trampoline involved. You know, you're spiking, you're spiking the ball off the trampoline. Mm. But there's no... There's no, like, court. There are no boundaries there. So you have 225-pound bros that are trying to track down a ball, and they will run over anything in their path for that thing. Mm -hmm. So it gets a little frightening down there. I agree with you. You, You're going at a good time, I think. If you're you're late afternoon on a Tuesday, that's not bad. You're not going to run into anybody there that's that's taking your head off playing Polish horseshoes. Not – honestly, I'll go after, like, a run. Like, if I run – the sugar bowl. You won't bring a beach chair or a towel no, down there. No, no. I'll like, I'll, I'll, I've laid down like on the, on the beach. I literally will just take whatever t-shirt I'm wearing and just lay down on the t, on the t-shirt. I live really, really close. I live a couple blocks away, so it's not. You lay on a t-shirt. Yeah, man. If I, if I'm, if I'm coming back from a run and I'm like, wow, it's still really nice out, and I don't have anything to do back at home, and I yeah. want to, want to try to catch a couple rays. I'm not going all the way back to get a towel and then coming back out to the beach. Oh, so you never have a game plan like let's I'm gonna go. No, to the it's beach always for a no, hours. no, almost never. Why not? I'm not a I'm not a huge beach guy. No, I'm not a Are huge a beach guy? guy. I'm not really a pool guy. You're listen, not a pool or a listen, beach guy. I burn easily. Do you easily. know how to swim? I burn easily. What you think? I just I, I just I'm said a great to you. Swimmer. Do you think I don't burn? See, I, here's the deal. You gotta burn first. You gotta get that initial burn. Like I used to I know think people that. will tell I you. I used no. to be like you. I used to think that. You can get around it. But you gotta just you gotta apply and the, reapply. Well the problem is, and, and it brings us back to training camp at Gillette Stadium. I, I'm not bringing sunscreen with me to to work. Like I'm just not doing it. <laughs> so I'm not gonna go out and get burnt at work. I'm gonna sit under that tent. It's just this nasty, sweaty, uh there's some weird smells going on in there. And it, you know, you hear some conversations that you're like, you know what? I could do without listening to this conversation right now. Like, I don't need to listen to this. Just trying to watch and, some football. And, and on top of it, I see, when I covered the Patriots, it was bo- it was also, I did like before the new CBA and then after it. So before the new CBA, they had, they were two days. Two days. That was, like, those I, were long days for everybody involved. Like, I was there, and I think you were probably, I was sending you my stories yep, back in the office. It was desk, me and Tommy sure. Curran. And I'd be there, you know, what, like 8 a.m.? They'd go till like, 9.45, 10. They'd go in. We'd do interviews. We'd go write stories. We'd come back out. They'd do another session. You know, and it's the it, it's the having to take the notes of every little thing that happened that I'm, like, taking the notes, and I'm like, this is kind of a meaningless note, but I got to let the people know what's going on. Like, you feel you have to be that guy. You have to let them know what's going on because you are able to watch it. And... Not everybody's able to get there and see it. Right. You have to go overboard on a lot of the observations. And I it try is overboard. not to because it's because for but, some people it's too much. Some people don't want all that. But you try to pick out little things, whether it's if you can figure out what a what a coach is trying to do, or maybe you see Bill Bel- Belichick spending a certain amount of time with a position group. Like I'm interested to see what happens with the offensive line this year. 
Is it going to be the Dante Scarnecchi of old? Are we going to be hearing him from 200 yards away, screaming and cursing these guys out? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be a little bit more laid back after a couple of years of retirement? Where's Bill Belichick going to be? That was one of the interesting things to see during spring practice. You would see him. He just kind of walks around. He just, he's, he's got his hand in everything. But he'll, he stopped at one point during one practice by the quarterbacks, and he worked with quarterbacks on, I kid you not, the angle of their handoffs for about 10 minutes. And those are like the little weird things that I kind of find a little bit interesting that other people might say, man, Bill Belichick's still a psycho. He's 60-whatever years old. Mm. He's still as into this as he's ever been. Those are some of the things that, that I try to look for. The you know the other thing that we're all doing now, and I, I, I wish we didn't, but we do it, and I think we're past the point of no return, is we keep track of every Stats. single pass attempt. Yes. And it is rough mm-hmm. because you can't miss one. Uh- if you know, if I if I have certain numbers and Jeff Howe from the Herald has another set of numbers and Kevin eleven Duffy of six, from Mass eleven Live of sixteen and the seven on sevens, I used to have to write that shit down too, and I would write it down and say, while I write this down, I do not give a shit about this stat, but somebody might, and it's my job since I'm here to report that. But me personally, I don't care. If Jim, if Jacoby Brissett goes through training camp and has, and you can then add up all the numbers, and he has a a uh, a 65% completion percentage versus a a 69 or a 70% completion mm-hmm. percentage at the end like does anybody care either way does it does it tell you anything about the player he's pretty good i guess he's not you know he's not 50% but that's that's this kind of stuff that you end up looking at that makes you feel like what am i doing here sometimes but it's all fun it'll be good to cover it it'll be good to have something that's not the flategate related to talk about well because now you're going to have garoppolo and the right. spotlight even more. Right. We'll get to watch him really closely. We'll watch Brissett really closely. One thing I'm interested to see is how do these receivers react to him? It, one thing that's sort of underrated here is Julian Edelman, he's out of the boot now. The foot seems to be on track, healing the way it's expected to be healing. Yeah. But if you are going the first week of the season, maybe the first couple weeks, and you don't have that guy, and I think it's still that's still kind of up in the air. I don't know if he's going to be able to – I don't know when we're going to see him in training camp. Mm. That's a big blow to Jimmy Garoppolo because you need as many guys out on the field that know this offense front and back to help him out, depending on what he's seeing from the defense, making in, in-game adjustments. That's not something that he's going to be able to do on his own all the time. And he's going to have McDaniels in his ear. Amendola knows the offense well. He should be healthy. Um, but – there's a lot of new faces out there, and Garoppolo is going to be expected to organize them all. Like, is, is Gronk – maybe Gronk, Gronk – I'm sure we'll help him. He's he's a smart football player. We give him we give him a hard time because of who he is off the field. But if he's the only guy that's, that's in Garoppolo's ear on the field helping him make checks, like, I don't know if that's a great situation. So, he's got to get on the same page with these guys, and they got to get these guys back healthy to help him out because it's going to be tough. But your summer's over. Now, when training camp starts, you're like, you know, you got, right, the the vacation, take them now. The tanning continues because I'm out on the grass hill. I'm not going under the tent. Tommy Curran's on vacation right now. Did you take a vacation? Did you get anything this summer? I took mine mine real early in the offseason, so I've been on pretty much throughout here. It's been slow, and so we're, you know, we're trying to come up with things to write about. I'll be up up at Comcast, and they'll have me doing stuff in the studio. We got our Quick Slants, the podcast that we do every once in a while. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, you guys are doing podcasts now. Yeah, I know, I, I know, I, we're coming for you. Uh, yeah, coming no, for you, Danny. You know what? No, you guys, wait till I leave, and then it's like podcast nation over in that fucking building. <laughs> oh, Picard left. Uh, let's buy all the podcast equipment and do all the podcast in here. 
Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You were ahead of the game on the podcasting thing. I think people weren't ready for podcasts at that point in time. They didn't see the movement where now everybody has a podcast, right? I mean, they're it. That's how it feels. Like you have there are other beat writers that are on the beat that are that are doing their own thing with, you know, I don't know what they have for for equipment. We have our little stuff Mm. and. It's fun. I like it. You I guys like don't it. have but a studio you're a pro. like this. You're a pro. You guys we don't have, have a studio no, like this. No, we don't have that. No, you're, you're about 10,000 levels ahead of where we are um, equipment-wise. And just in terms of po- – like Tommy Kern's running our podcast. I mean, have you ever – you've heard the guy speak. He's like a – he's the attention span of a baby <laughs> squirrel. Like it's – we're all over the map on that thing. It's, yeah, but you know fun, what? But... It's – his – the phrase he used to always give me when I work with him, you tell me what it is, and I'll tell you what it means. And that works well for a podcast. You know, especially if you guys are doing one, you tell him what it is, he's going to tell you what it means. He's got takes. I'll give him that. He's got, he's he, got, he's got Yeah, no shortage of takes yeah. when it comes to Tommy. So we'll try, to, we'll try to keep busy. We'll try to keep busy trying to, I don't know, maybe get, maybe get one or two more rounds of golf in before, uh, before things get going. But where once you, it where starts. Where do you play? Um, I played uh, a place I had not played uh, in my entire life somehow earlier or over the weekend dw field in brockton have you been there no i have not dw field's not a bad so. not a bad track i've played franklin park here I, I that's, like that's my that's my home that's your spot i know yeah. i know i know you like that spot um i mean i'm a, you know i grew up in milton i s- still live close by i didn't Ponca know if be, canton i don't know I'm if like, you'd be president's golf course i've been guy. a president's i've been a president's uh a couple times this year so i'm i'm the, the courses that are within like a 20 minute drive of mm-hmm. 25 minutes, I guess, if you're going down to Brockton, 30 minutes, those are, those are where I'm at for the most part. I'm trying to get as many easy courses in as possible. Oh, you want an easy course? Cause I'm not a, I'm not a good player. I'm not very good. Ritter. Where's that you now? You ever played a Ritter? No. I believe it's in Bridgewater. Okay. It's wide open. Okay. It's as wide open. I like that. If you lose a ball at Ritter, then you should probably just go to Buncey's. Just quit. You ever play a Buncey's? I've never heard of that. Oh, place. it's a no. pitch and putt. I think that's in Bridgewater too. It's just like a par three. You go, they give you a pitch and wedge and a putter, and everything's real short, probably like 40 to 60 yards. I think there's a couple holes that are maybe like 75, 80, but you know, it's it's a pitch and putt. That's like, the worst lose, part of my game, though. That's like I would that would be what? hell for me. Pitch the pitch the pitch and putt. Like I, I'm good. I I'm not good. I like hitting off the tee. I feel like I can swing hard and I can get it to go relatively straight, relatively far every once in a while. But then I'm then I'm a hundred yards and in. It's four is four or five shots. Like that's that's my that's the bane of my existence when I'm out there. That's what makes me want to throw a club into oblivion. See, I will smash a driver, smash it down the middle, and it will be an absolute smash. I know I'm not a big kid. You're a wiry guy, though. I was just gonna say uh, you got you got the hockey background you know, too. That this, helps. I got this new tailor-made driver, which is like a performance-enhancing drug. And if you could just keep that thing straight, you know, you're dancing. The problem is I'll have this great shot and I might even have a great second shot and I'll be like 75 yards, 60 yards to the green and it's right in the middle. And it's like, Danny, all you got to do is take that pitching wedge or that approach wedge and just nice and easy, plop it up in the green. I'll either, you know, come under the ball too much and, you know, I'll, I'll get more dirt than I do ball. Or I'll smash that thing so far over the green where I end up trying to break my clubs. I mean, that's the that's my life story on the golf course. That's right where there. I am. I'm a, we're the same player. It sounds like I don't know how. I don't know how when you look at when you look at us, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. I listen. We should play. Let's go play. Uh, I, let's go play. Franklin. Believe me, I would. Here's the problem: golfing is expensive. 
It is. And I'm broke as a joke, so uh, I can't do it unless we get a free course somewhere. That's why I go, you know, Franklin Park's cheap and you get the city discount too. Yes. That's, and, and That's I'm just nice. more familiar with every hole at Franklin Park and it's sort of, you know, it's it's closer to me. It's it's easy to get to. And is it, you know what? It's close to you, too, because you is. live in Zelty. Yeah, we're no. neighbors. Yeah. We're neighbors. Uh, how, what is that transition like? And it's I know not transition. everybody is going to be concerned with this, but I the transition from Milton to Zelty. Like, well, I didn't go, like, from Milton to Zelty, really. What did you do? Well, because I went to college in D.C., and then That's I right. graduated, and I went to uh, – I worked at a, a little daily newspaper in – the woods in New Hampshire, Claremont, New Hampshire, on the border with Vermont. I had a little like one room studio apartment thing that was like in somebody's garage, essentially. No shit. I didn't know that. That was about a year after college. And then that paper went bankrupt. 2008, new, small newspaper business was not the business to be in if you wanted a steady job, uh-huh. believe it or not. Um, so came back and then moved to Southie soon thereafter. So lived at the Carson Tower for two years. It cost it the Bay Towers, okay? It's the Bay <laughs> That's Towers. That's not what it was when I was there. It was I know Carson people. Tower. People call it that. They, they, you know what? I think there's a new name for it too. I heard. Or I just yeah, you roll your eyes and say, "Listen, it's the Bay Towers," because now I say Bay Towers to people who who aren't from Southie. Nobody Selfie, knows what you're like, talking about. What are you about? talking about? So I'm like the Bay Towers. The only towers in Southie, you know, you live in them. Like, and, and it's that's shocking to me because that never used to be people who moved into town would even think about living there. Now I think probably most of that building. Is people who have moved in. It was a so that was 2010 when I moved there, mm. and and you it, live on Broadway now. I lived on Broadway oh, for a little while. We moved. I'm on uh, East Eighth now. All right, you don't have to give you. I'm not asking for your address because you know y'all don't. I'm want not the putting people. it out there. It's a big street. <laughs> East Eighth is, is a big it street. It is a big street. <laughs> um, I I grew up on Third Street. Yeah. And I moved to Eighth, but now I just moved to another street in Southie, a new apartment. Right. Um, but you know, my family still lives in, in the house that I yep. grew up in. So I still go back all the time to eat and, and right. sometimes do laundry and, and, you know, just do stuff like the house is there for you. Like I take advantage of that as much as I can, because it's a luxury. I shouldn't look at that and, 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 and think that's a bad thing. It's a good thing. No, it's so a great I, thing. So I utilize it, but the neighborhood has changed. Well, so, you know, so time. your question, when you say, what's the transition? Like, are you really asking me like, what is it like to be a yuppie? <laughs> is, that what you're, hey, is that what you're going for? I didn't for? say it. You That's said That's what you're going for? I didn't say it. I mean, I'm, I'm basically like the definition of, right? I mean, if you if we put it in those terms. I mean, I've lived – I feel like at this point yeah. – I've been there six years. You know, like I, I feel like I'm involved in the community in a few different ways. Um, people like yourself have welcomed me with open arms that are, <laughs> that are from the area. Uh, so – my wife and I have really loved living there. And it's honestly, dude, I mean, it's changed a lot even since I've been there. Since 2010, Broadway's completely different oh, yeah. now. It's, it's, you can't, it's I would a say, pain in the ass to drive 60% down. of the buildings have, have changed or been turned over or turned into something that they weren't before. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, it's an exciting time, I think, in some ways. I think in other ways, it's like, it's pretty jarring. When I lived at Carson Tower, it's funny because, the demographic there is not what it is now from what you're saying. Yeah. There were some younger people like me and my buddy who lived there, mm. but it was still majority. It was like single old ladies. That's what it was. Yeah. And so we became pretty close with some of them. We, we lived across the hall from one. We lived next to another great people. I still see them um, on East eight because Carson tower 
uh, the back of sure. Carson Towers, right yeah. on East 8th. So they'll be on their walks. I'll see them. I'll talk to them. Um, and I think the change was was jarring to them. But to their credit, they they too were like, couldn't have been nicer to me and my mm-hmm. buddy. Were well, totally like open well, and wanted us to be as comfortable as possible. Well, that's because you're not an asshole. All right. That's because you're not an asshole. There are some of those running around there, oh, too. Oh, there's, there's plenty of them, and they give someone like you a, a, a bad name. I think you're right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, I, we say that all the time. Like, I I embrace what has happened to the neighborhood because everything is improving. It's a whole lot nicer than it used to be. Uh, there are more things to do. Uh, there are more places and esta- local establishments to go to. Um, I see some things that I used to take take for granted, like M Street Beach. Mm-hmm. Used to take it for granted. Everybody in the town did. 10, 15 years ago, if you were seen on a Saturday, nice Saturday, down M Street Beach with a beach chair, you'd get laughed at. It was a garbage beach. Right. Nobody went down there. Now, you can't even get a fucking spot on a Saturday. And I guess people who move in made me appreciate that. The fact that you live in on the water, on a beautiful beach. You got planes flying overhead. You got yacht clubs down the street. You got boats in the water. It's like, why haven't you been down here your whole life? <laughs> now, I was down there my whole life, but it was at night with a 30-pack of Bud Light with my friends. Right. Uh, you were enjoying it in a different way. us. We were enjoying it in a different way. Right. I was a lifeguard, but... It still wasn't the same. It was more like, okay, I'm a lifeguard. Let me take a four-hour lunch, and I'll go up to Sal and Betty's and eat a sauce sub. You know, go play video games at my buddy's house. It's You know, it's just, it's different. And I I find myself now embracing it because of the way it has changed. But at the same time, you do get your inconsiderate assholes that have moved in that, you know, I, I think don't make it any easier for someone like yourself when it comes to the locals who encounter them and sort of group everybody with those those inconsiderate assholes right and i understand that depending on what your experience has been if you have met only kids that are disrespectful loud i know that's one of the problems like i'll talk to neighbors now and they in all honesty was moving into the place we're in now yeah had a neighbor come up and was just point blank are you guys loud yeah. <laughs> because we we have a nice quiet neighborhood here and we're trying to keep it quiet. I mean, I'm I'm married. I'm 30 years old now. I'm not going out. I'm not, mm. you know, acting like I like I did in college at times, I'm sure. So, I love it and it's a good fit for me, but you're right. You still get I I think like that woman in particular and there are others like her who who see you I don't know if it's because you're dressed a certain way. Like I'm a, like I wear boat well, no, I know, wear like boat shoes that's and polos. Not it. You know what it is? It's that everybody who and, and this is what some people She doesn't recognize me or she doesn't know anybody in my family. Like if if you know, I go to a bar and I see someone and you know, it's like, Oh, where are you from? Well, I'll ask, Well, where are you from? And and they'll say, Selty and I'll say, yeah. Well well no you're not and they'll say, Well well what do you mean? I go, I know you're not from Selty. Like, how do you know that? I say, because I don't know who you are. Right. And what people don't understand is everybody in Southie knows each other, even if it might not be on a personal level, you know who they are. Like the neighborhood, everything sort of is intertwined when you're growing up. You know everyone's relatives. You know everybody's friends. You've seen everybody sort of before. Right. Again, even if it's not knowing them on a personal level, it's like, well, I've seen them before. Like I know I can tell they're from here. It's just, it's not what you're wearing. It's just that people know everybody. Right. That's what it is. No, and if I they think don't you're right. know you I or recognize right. you, they automatically assume that you're not from yeah. here. And it's 
99.9% of the time they're right. Well, and because there's just been so much turnover in the neighborhood too, I think, yeah. right? They just assume, again, anybody they haven't seen before, anybody they don't recognize, um, that you're not from here and you mm. may be bringing some habits into the neighborhood that they're not all that fond of. So I get it. I get it a hundred percent. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'll never be at that level, but I feel like I get concerned now because I feel like I'm in a neighborhood that I consider my own. Yeah. That when like I get, I wonder if there are going to be young kids that are just out of college that are moving in, that are going to be kicking over trash barrels at night because they're coming home at two 30 in the morning and they're all messed up. Yeah. So I feel like that that may, that may just be me getting old, but no, um, I I think I think it's you, you take some ownership in I like the neighborhood too exactly. when, when you've been it's here. It's you while. having respect. It's you being considerate, and it's you not being an asshole. That's basically what it is. Well, I appreciate that, Danny. Okay. So we, we obviously have. I this is what this is how you this you, is how man. you do it. You just go every decision you make, you just say to yourself, "What would Danny Picard do?" And I hope you make those decisions when you're in line at Sully's. Because it's getting, if there's one thing that I don't like, it's that Sully's is getting absolutely insane. You, you've been very vocal about that. I don't know what's going that. on out there. I went there a couple weeks ago on a Saturday afternoon. To grab a lobster at, roll? At 1 o'clock on a sunny Saturday. It was 85, sunny. It was beautiful. It was a perfect summer day. I think it was in late June. Um, there is no excuse. You, you should not run out of burgers. Okay. Oh wow! They ran out of burgers. Really? Yeah. I go to the, I go up to the girl and and she's working. I said, "Yep." And I go to my regular order, which is cheeseburger, ketchup. This is awesome. hot dog, mustard, large fry, large Pepsi, and, and a vanilla shake. And a vanilla shake. And a vanilla That's shake. what puts it over the top. You've told me that order so many times, and I always wait for that because I can't believe that you consume all that I food in one sitting. I consume all of it. I mean, I can believe is, you do it because it's delicious. It's amazing. I love Sully's. And. And I, I start off with the cheeseburger with ketchup all the time. That's my first. That's like the first thing I say. It's just it's the same every time. And the girl goes interrupts me and goes, "Yeah, we don't have any burgers." And I'm like, "What?" That's wild. Uh, what What's that? She's like, you, "We don't have any burgers." I go, "What do you mean you don't have any burgers?" You think she, they're di- diversifying like, too well, much? Do you we, think that's the, the she's issue? She's like, "We'll get some more, um, but you have to wait 15 minutes." I go, "Okay, uh, I'm gonna wait." But can I just put the order in and you can I wait? She goes, no, you have to come back and order. Now the line's down around the corner. You know how the line gets sometimes. So I'm going, you think I'm waiting in that line? I go, I'm going to order the cheeseburger now. And, that doesn't and, make any And I'm going to wait for it. She goes, no, we can't do that. We don't have any right now. And I'm going, this is ridiculous. So I just got two hot dogs. And I just, I, it didn't feel right to me. Like, I didn't feel right not having a cheeseburger out Sully's on a rock. I don't understand why she had to let you in on, like, what was going on behind the scenes with what was available to them. If they were going to have a hamburger in 15 minutes, she just should have said it's going to be a 15-minute wait. Well, because it's a circus out there Which it can be anyway. I waited waited almost 15 minutes probably just for hot dogs. It's worth the wait. It is. But not if you have to do it twice. She didn't have to. Right. She could have just said it's going to be a wait and you would have said, okay. All right, let me order it. No. In the corner and you would have, right. No, I would have said, let me order it No, you would have ordered. That's what I'm saying. You would have ordered it and then it just would have come out Mm -hmm. in 15 minutes. Yeah. I don't get that. And Sully's is, it's insane out there. You know? But it's a great, it's it's still, I enjoy it. It's a great spot. It's the best spot in Boston. Because I'm sure there are people that work at Sully's that listen to this podcast and I want them to think I'm not appreciating their product because I am. I know you do. I do. Who doesn't? Um, great selfie talk. Okay. A lot of people don't give a fuck about that. But you know what? Who cares? This is just a couple of guys talking. Absolutely. That's yeah. what this has been. That's yeah. what the Danny Picard show is here from the Beantown Athletics studio. 
Today's show, as I mentioned, presented by SeatGeek. Uh, he is Phil Perry. You can read him at csnne.com. You can watch him on Comcast Sportsnet New England. He covers the New England Patriots. He'll be at training camp. He'll g- be giving you all the juicy details of Jimmy Garoppolo and Brissett and Brady and Belichick and Gronk and Edelman, all of that stuff. Make sure you check him out at csne.com. Phil, thanks for joining me today. I hope it was everything you thought it would be and more. And um, hopefully we can get you in soon. This has been a blast. Thanks for having me, Danny. All right. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.